No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. So, what all can be accomplished in six days? Well, I guess it depends on who's doing the work. If God's involved, He can create the heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Today, Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis 1. Hope you'll join us for Simply the Bible. When I was 10 years old, my dad took me to Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, where a sidewalk artist drew a caricature of me. Since then, I have been fascinated with all kinds of artists. I love to see how they see the world and how they create. They reveal that they have been made in the image of God, for God is creative and God is an artist. He's also really smart and really powerful. Today we will see how he created the heavens, the earth, and everything in them. It's a story of beauty, awe, and wonder. I know that there are those who would take issue with God creating everything in six days. That's preposterous, they would say. But I would say, how big is your God? God could have done it in six nanoseconds if he wanted to. I think he stretched it out to six days for our benefit. So we read in Genesis 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God gave the creation account through the pen of Moses with a focus on the earth. Since earth is the habitation of mankind and the planet with which we are most familiar, God wanted us to know how it came into being. This isn't written in the form of a technical manual, although God certainly could have done that. It isn't written in the form of a myth, as we find in so many pagan cultures. It is written as a narrative, a historical account of how God created everything we see. Like a blank canvas, the earth was without form and void. It was unformed and unfilled, awaiting the first brushstroke from the master artist. Now darkness was on the face of the deep. These dark waters contained all the necessary ingredients to form and to fill the world with everything necessary to support life. We are introduced to the Spirit of God. He was hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew word translated hovering is the same word that's used in Deuteronomy 32.11, where it says that as an eagle stirs up his nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. What a beautiful picture of how the Holy Spirit broods over us, moving upon us, moving upon our formless and empty hearts to stir us up with faith and to fill us with his presence. Well, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. In the original language, it literally says, light be, and light was. Here we see the awesome power of God. He speaks light into existence. And God saw that the light was good. Six times in this account, 
God says that his creation is good. The seventh time, after creating mankind, God would say, it's very good. Now, God divided the light from the darkness. It is interesting that light dispels darkness, but darkness cannot dispel light. Isn't there a spiritual allegory in this? When we get to chapter 3, we will see that there is a very real Satan who was permitted to inhabit the world as the ruler of darkness. Satan would certainly infect and corrupt every good thing that God made if he could. But God separates the light from the darkness. He assigns the light to its place. And he assigns the children of light to their place. If God did not separate us from darkness, then we would most certainly be engulfed by it. But God does separate us so that we may be the light of the world that dispels the darkness. Well, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, this presents a bit of a problem because the sun, the moon, and the stars aren't created until day four. How could there be day, night, evening, and morning without the sun and the earth rotating on its axis? Apparently, on the first day, God created light without creating the permanent light sources. I suppose that if we can set up temporary work lights on a construction site, well, God certainly could establish a temporary light source until day four. Now, many have raised the question, how long were the creation days? Were they 24 hours or were they long ages? While the Hebrew word for day, yom, can be used figuratively in the sense of an indeterminate length of time, this interpretation cannot be established unless the context supports it. Every other place in Scripture, when days are numbered, as they are here, first day, second day, third day, and so on, it always refers to a 24-hour day. In addition, we are told that each day consisted of evening and morning. What else could God say to make it clear that these were literal days? Finally, if we were to substitute millions of years each time the word day appears in the chapter, it sounds ridiculous. For example, take the verse we just read. God called the light millions of years, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first age of millions of years. You see, it doesn't make any sense. No one would interpret this chapter this way unless he were trying to conform Scripture to the theory that the earth is millions or billions of years old. It is unwise to force Scripture to conform to the doctrine of evolution in any way. God's Word stands on its own, and God couldn't have made it any clearer. You may have trouble believing that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, but don't twist the Scripture to support your position. If you would like to investigate this subject even further, I would recommend to you a great book. It's called Unformed and Unfilled by Weston Fields. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, firmament isn't a word we use much. The Hebrew word can also be translated expanse. 
On the second day, God separated the waters below from the waters above. This separation is what we would call sky. What a marvelous process the world's water cycle is. Water from the earth and ocean evaporates into the atmosphere where it forms clouds and deposits the water elsewhere. If this didn't happen, there would be no snowpack to feed our reservoirs, no fresh water to replenish our rivers and aquifer. Now, in the days prior to Noah and the flood, there was no rain, but a mist came up and watered the earth. A thick blanket of waters covered the earth, which would have created a greenhouse effect and a tropical climate throughout the world. So God called the expanse that separated these waters heaven, but we would call it sky. Now, while we're on day two, let's discuss for a moment the way God marks out a day. He begins with the evening and darkness and ends with the morning and daylight. We mark the new day from midnight to midnight. God begins in darkness and ends in light. Isn't that beautiful? The scripture says that weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God begins in darkness and ends in light. How appropriate this is as we look at the darkness around us. It seems that the darkness of this world is becoming increasingly dark. But they say the night is darkest just before the dawn of a new day. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Guess what? The new day when Jesus comes again is soon. So let us prepare ourselves by casting off deeds of darkness and preparing ourselves for the dawning of the new day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. On day three, God gathered the waters on the surface of the earth into one place, so that dry land appeared. We would infer from this that the dry land also appeared in one place as a single landmass. It's interesting that if you look at a world map today, the continents are shaped like pieces of a puzzle that could fit together. From the study of plate tectonics, there is evidence supporting the hypothesis of continental drift. When we get to Genesis 7, we'll see that the breaking up of the fountains of the great deep and 40 straight days of rain resulted in a worldwide flood. Perhaps this initially divided the landmass and gave these separating continents their first big shove. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the Lord brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Life first appeared on day three with plants. Integral to sustaining life are the seeds of life. Of course, the ability to replicate is within the DNA, and DNA 
is truly a marvelous work of engineering, able to store massive amounts of information in a tiny package and perfectly copy it. DNA is probably the greatest proof against evolution because DNA is necessary for life, and yet the only place we find DNA is in life. We'll look at this more tomorrow. God said that the herbs and trees bring forth seeds according to their own kind which is what we see in nature because you never see an apple tree bring forth a pear seed or a pear seed bring forth an apple tree. Once again, God surveyed his creation, saw that it was good and called it a day. Thus, God formed the earth and tomorrow we'll see how he fills it. What a marvelous creator we have. What a wonderful world he has made. Surely this should beckon us to worship him for all he is and for all he has done. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. Join Pastor Daryl tomorrow as he covers God's last three days of creation. 